Welcome to View from the C-Suite, where we have candid conversations with female executives about key business challenges, career advice, and more. This series is brought to you by Wong Duty, the Global Experience and Design Unit for Infosys. I'm Skylar Matson, your host and president of Wong Duty. Good afternoon and good evening to our global audience. Welcome to the 11th episode of View from the C-Suite, Women Leaders in Conversation. I'm Skylar Matson, president of Wong Duty, the global creative agency for Infosys. Today we're talking about a topic that you are likely seeing in a lot of headlines lately and, and probably experiencing yourself, burnout. And that, that, that popular phrase, self-care. But I feel the need to be very clear at the start of this. We're not going to be talking about bubble baths or mani-pedis. Uh, I do like those things. But when I look at the stress that women in leadership face right now, we are going to need a lot more than bubble baths to avoid burnout. According to the Society for Human Resource Management, uh, between this two-year period of February 2020 and January 2022, 1.1 women left their jobs. Of all the jobs left during the pandemic, 63% of them were held by women. So how can we, as women, keep ourselves from burning out? And more importantly, I know there are a lot of men listening in today, how can we as leaders, men and women, uh, help prevent burnout among our teams. I am so honored to welcome two amazing, very open leaders who have some insightful input on this topic. Um, the first is Gita Wilson, the Chief Technology Officer of Whole Health Advocacy and Provider Experience Platforms at Elevance Health, which was formerly Anthem. She oversees technology strategy, product development, and digital engineering operations for the clinical side of the business. Uh, I found this quote um, from Gita in an article, she doesn't know I, I put this in here, where she said, her mom taught her to enjoy life and work hard to make life the best it can be for those who depend on you. Two beautiful lessons, so relevant to what we're talking about today. Gita, I'm so happy you're with us. Thank you for having me. And that was nice inserting uh, a quote from my mum. It's good to hear that. It warms my heart. I also welcome Andrea Fairchild, SVP of Global Sponsorship Strategy at Visa. She's responsible for leading partnerships with the Olympics and Paralympics, FIFA, and the NFL. She's had roles at Nike, Gatorade, and Kobe Inc., Andrea has been mentioned in the press for being a creative and innovative marketer with a strong understanding of what makes athletes tick. And I think that is going to be such an interesting perspective in our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me and um, really appreciate what a wonderful intro. Thank you. Okay, so I want to start with a reframing. You know, self-care that we do as individuals outside of work is valuable, but I, I really want to focus this on how we're going to avoid burnout at work. So how do we redefine self-care at work? Um, I recently went through an interesting exercise with my chief group, and we were asked to write down all of the main sort of like tasks, responsibilities that we have at work, um, and note the ones that really gave us energy, and the ones that sort of took energy away. Um, it was called a heat map. And I, I'll be honest, I feel very fortunate. Most of the things that I and tackling at work are things that give me energy, but you know, I know, I know that's not always the case. So that's what I really want to explore today. How can we approach work? Um, how can we focus on tasks or people or projects 
that energize us and do less of the things that take the energy away? Um, How can we shift our work, even in small ways, to prioritize the things that restore us? So let's get into it. Let's start with this idea of a heat map. Um, Gita, I'm I'm interested to know from you, what are the types of projects that really energize you? So um, I thought about that question quite quite a lot over the last couple of days. And for me, um, it's really those that flex my strengths and flex my muscle, right? So um, things that give me energy, things that are gonna like um, amplify how I I show up. And those other things are like being a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, big hairy problems uh, that I have to like get my arms around, whether it's, you know, activating our digital messaging and uh, chat adoption, which is like, okay, we have this goal that's in the single digits, uh, just 20, you know, in 2019. And now it's in the double digits uh, and going over 50% for like our goal trajectory by the end of the year. How are we going to get it done? Roll up your sleeves. And, and that's where my problem solver hat will come on. Um, along with like what flexes my other inner strength, I feel like uh, is um, the ability to interact and work with others and collaborate. So it's not only dependent on me, it's dependent on the operations team that I support. And so how do we work collectively together so it doesn't land on my shoulders to say, yeah, this is what we should do. Uh, I'm going to think of it all by myself. It's something that we collectively, you know, wrap our arms around and say, what's the best course of path uh, that we should go towards? The, um, the other part, I think, is I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. So the strengths that I play at. And so while, while there's a creative side of me that can go, I also love that uh, I have this pragmatism part of me that says, what can I get done? And so that results... Um, orientation towards projects to see see it through to the uh, the nth mile, and not be perturbed by that. And so I have like a varying degrees of um, projects and initiatives that come my way, and all sort of sometimes large in scope. Like we handled um, some work around advocacy, which is um, you mentioned that I have uh, clinical service and provider experience platforms. So those are like. Um, big hefty teams, over 50,000 of our 90,000 uh, uh, employees. And how do I help them be advocates for the members that call in the 47 million plus members that come in, which means that initially that they could have worked in like independent silos. How do we now like uh, make it so that the systems enable them to do work? So I'm problem solving, right? I'm uh, allowing myself to intersperse with others to like figure out how to do that work. But the pragmatism of it is gonna say, you know, it's not it's not gonna be five years away. It's going to be something that we do this year and we make uh, ground and we take ground in doing it. So I think uh, also being able to like bite-sized chunks of the work that are maybe large in nature are gonna be important for me. So that's just a couple of opportunities that I think, you know, things that energy energize me. The last one I will say is a little joy. I like a little fun. I like a little mischief too. And so, you know, if I can intersperse those moments or those bursts of joy, even if it's celebrations that we do, like the advocacy um, initiative that we're doing this year um, or activated this year in our ongoing journey was, oh, why we have one system that ordinarily would have served this population and that population. How do we blend those together? And I see activation between the two teams coming together. That's a little joy moment. It's like, hey, celebrate. We're not, we haven't finished completing it, but you know, um, we'll do some of those moments where we step back and we, you know, um, 
it's almost like admire your grass uh, once you've uh, mowed your lawn, right? It's like, I haven't finished it quite yet. It's halfway through, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I still appreciate the moment that I actually got out and I started to do it, right? And so I think sometimes for me, the joy moments are about just wherever you are at, take a step back and appreciate the work that you're doing and the work that you've done and intersperse a little fun in it as well. That's so important to sort of remind ourselves to to pause and celebrate how far we've come versus sort of like waiting till this like whole big thing is tackled. And I do think that that's very likely energizing for your team as well, uh, as much as it is like energizing you as their leader. So Andrea, get in here. What All about right. what what do you find the most energizing as part of the things that you do? Yeah, yeah. I again, um, like you have thought a lot about this, um, you know, since the question, right? And I would say being in the industry, right, and part of the workforce for a very long time, I've had to learn this, you know, over the over the course of many years and a lot of um, you know, just a lot of career training. Cause I agree with with Gita that, you know, again, you have to find kind of your specialties, right? And where you know that you thrive, you know, the areas that you thrive in the most. And, you know, I'll stay with kind of the uh, the power of the, the P's that uh, she was talking about, you know, as it relates to problem solving and being pragmatic, you know, you understand kind of the areas over time that you more kind of gravitate towards and where you know you as a leader with your team, you really can um, can be more effective. And for me, it, it, it's just the the people and the the community and the team that is that is around me is where I really you know grab energy from the 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 higher level that they are given to be creative and take risks and you know really think differently gives me so much energy to see where all of that comes from and what some of those great ideas are and then you know it's also just you know finding what you're passionate about and I know We'll probably talk about that a lot today, but, you know, I truly have been very fortunate that, you know, working in sports is something that I always wanted to do. And, you know, I've been so passionate about, you know, what I have done over the course of my career that I find so much energy in, in that. And, you know, if I even think about drifting away into other areas, it's just something that I can't even contemplate, right? Because that's where I know I thrive and where I know that I have such a passion for the work that I do. And then lastly, it's really around kind of the the purpose, you know, and, and again, we talk about this a lot and um, in a lot of leadership conferences, you know, and company purpose and, you know, but it's also, I think, really important to find your own purpose within your work and your company, you know, your company purpose. For example, you know, women's sports and, you know, empowerment of women through sports and advancement of that has always been a big passion point of mine. I worked in um, global women's uh, sports at Nike. And again, you know, many years ago, but even seeing the evolution and where, where that has gone. So now, in my work at Visa, you know, how can I take kind of their purpose and values as a business and a brand and then elevate what I know that I can do and, um, you know, bring to the table. So, you know, elevating our women's soccer sponsorship, you know, combating gender equality with FIFA Women's World Cup, like you find those purposes in the work that you do. And I, I just, I generate so much energy from, from being able to do that. And I think within all of that, kind of that people, passion and, and purpose is, 
you know, striving to be, you know, as effective and efficient and kind of productive as possible within kind of those, those areas. And, you know, for me, the, the one thing, and again, in this high stress environment is just really ensuring that you're managing, you know, those competing priorities and that will help kind of that capacity and really resilience to, to, to stress, you know, it is this emotional composure, your self-discipline to know the areas that you need to, you need to focus on. And the better I got at understanding that, the more kind of energy I found in the work that I was doing. And in the, you know, easiest of ways to describe that is that you can't take on everything. And, you know, you're defining yourself more by the things you're saying no to for your business and your brand and yourself than you are by all of the yes. And I think a lot of that really, um, you know, really compounds a lot of the stress that we put on ourselves to kind of do everything. And you're really more effective in those areas and where you're focusing on. Especially as women, right? Right. The yes. And the not wanting to disappoint. I think to be intentional about what you can really take on. I mean, there were just so many nuggets of wisdom from both of you in those responses, you know, for the people listening in that are, you're in mid career, taking a moment to really think about the things that energize you that play to your strengths. Most of the time we like the things that we're pretty good at and advocating for yourself to do more of that in your work world is, is something that I recommend, but what happened, you know, we can't always pick the projects that we want to work on. We can't always do the things that bring us the most joy. Um, what are some strategies for dealing with the types of things that are maybe uh, not your favorite? Do you, how do you, how do you get through those? I mean, you can't just delegate everything. Um, Gita, do you have any thoughts on things that maybe in your job you do find less fulfilling, but that you've found a way to find a little joy in? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Like I, you know, I think you said it well. You can't. Sometimes you can't pick and choose, right? What you um, want to work on. If we all did, you know, it'll be very different in terms of what outcomes we would achieve. And so, um, I was thinking about that question. Um, and for me, it's like being in control of the stuff that yeah, that is still out of your control, right? In terms of uh, projects that might come your way or administrative tasks that you have to do. Like for me, the budgetary cycle planning, it's something that we have to do and it could energize me or it could be like, okay, now we've got to, if I'm if I'm honest, now I've got to like step back and make sure that we're working on the things, do the business case and ensure that, you know, I'm in line with my stakeholders and then we go through cycles of planning and approvals. That isn't always a joy moment, right? But it is a joy. I find moments of joy in them in the process. Right. And so I think if you can find like moments in the process that says, you know, here's what we're trying to do. And you explain and you're working with your partners and you're like thinking through together, collaborating together on how that would work. So that when you do get approvals, that's like, oh, fantastic. Right. So or if you don't, you're like, oh, let me let me let's sharpen our pencils. Maybe we don't need to ask for this much. We need to ask for that much. And so there are times when you're going to I think you have to be, um, again, a pragmatic person. Like I expect to know, I don't always expect to yes, right? Uh, and so learning to live in the gray for me is something that I've figured out how to do. Like uh, there was a time in my younger years in my professional career, I was like, I know the answer. I know what we should be doing. I was very confidently wrong as well in those times, right? And it's because I didn't know everything. 
I didn't know what, uh, you know, what was facing another leader. I felt I very much like, you know, I know how to do that person's job. And if they only did this and that. And I think living in the gray is something that I, uh, there was a time in my career, I would have felt uh, unsettled, or uncomfortable with that. Now I'm like, you know, it's part of what I like to do. Uh, and if I find myself at peace within the gray, that's like, I am reaching there, right? Because now I'm not letting the uncertainty take hold of me. I am letting it be part of the process. And then um, in between there, figuring out how um, I could be patient or assume that I don't know, right? There's some things that I don't know um, as well, the answers to. I think the other part is just being uh, realistic. I don't like meetings with 50 people uh, on a topic if we're working through an agenda. That seems like excess, like, and I'm excluding town halls, I'm excluding like the things that are like leader forums and so forth that are part of like, you know, us as a population coming together. I'm talking about those meetings where you have a project or something underway and there's too many people to actually have an effective outcome. And so um, do I like lots of meetings? Do I like, uh, no, I'm like, like, I like getting action done and less talking and more action. I have a bias for action. At the same time, I, I figure that, you know, one of my strategies to deal with them is to set the example, right? And so, you know, I don't have to be there in that meeting. Uh, so I'm one less person to have to be there in that meeting. Um, and it gives some control over to the folks who are really making the decision, who are doing the work. So sometimes I released uh, them having to like uh, provide uh, get approvals for me or my direction if it's not needed and so it's less fulfilling to me to like have to be the one who says uh, yes this is the direction yes this is the way that we should go right instead of having it come from those and so um, multiple meetings with too many um, undefined tasks and uh, lots and lots of people on them I just feel like you're compromising your outcome and I like you know I liked where you were going Andrea with purpose uh, as well, like you've, I think you've got to figure out your why um, in those conversation in, in those contexts, and say, I can still find my why in even the mundane. You know, it doesn't always have to be black and white and all in thing. It can be like you know, you can find your why in the passion and in like I like sharing, like the spirit of generosity. And so I'm like, yeah. Um, have I repeated myself for the thousandth time it feels like to me on a certain subject, right? And instead, I, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I could do, uh, instead of doing one person, I could do many people and we could talk about it, you know, like the collaboration space. So there's, there's I think, ebbs and flows. And for me, it really is um, step back and know that, you know, your control, you're not going to always be in control of the uncontrollable. So how you deal with it is going to be important. How you live in the gray is going to be important. It's a lesson I've learned over time. It seems just like such a tactical thing, but the amount of meetings, the amount of people in meetings is, is a massive drain. Um, I won't name names. I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but a friend on my team, a friend, yes, a friend, a friend of mine, a, a woman on my team said, oh my gosh, I have so many meetings and I've got to go to this one and this one and this one. And I said, you could decline it. And she said, what? I could just <laughs> decline that meeting. And I said, yeah, you've listed off the other people there. I, everybody's got a role. I, you could just decline it. And it was like, what? Like, but you can. Andrea, how are you dealing with the, the less motivating aspects of, of your work? 
Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. They, they're all there, right? Like I, I have defined it as the, uh, in the middle of the day, you know, we have so many kind of tasks, right. That, that need to be done and are all part of kind of, you know, just, you know, things that we have to do within the business. And I think first and foremost is just understanding that not everything is going to be up here and like the most motivating, exciting work that you are doing. There is a lot of, uh, in between there that, um, you know, that we, that we all have to, to deal with. And I think, you know, you, you said it best Skylar too, like being able to, and I think this is over time, right. Within my career as well as understanding that I don't always need to be in the room and, you know, there, there is balance there. And the more I came to terms with, with that, you know, that helps me stay motivated kind of throughout a lot of that, Ugh, and and the moments where you have to kind of step away and do some of the less kind of creative thinking and work that, you know, that really does energize you. And the more kind of understanding of that, the the better off that, um, that, that, that we will all be. And then, you know, I, I think that staying motivated too is, is in the areas that are more draining is, is finding kind of the, um, you know, again, we're talking about the purpose, but, you know, my purpose now in being there is to, you know, influence and bring others along through the process. It isn't about always having the answer, which again, we talked about this. It's something that I felt that I always needed to have as well when I walked in the room. And some of the greatest advice I ever got is you don't always need to be two, three steps ahead of people. You know, the, the, the greatest gift you're giving is to allow others to catch, to get there, right. To get there on their own and show your ability to influence and, and take others along. Right. And I think that part of it in a lot of these draining tasks is like the, the idea of bringing others along in this idea, you know, in this, in this, um, you know, teaching and, and learning and understanding that others, um, you know, can, can learn from you. That's probably the, the way that I think about it now and these kind of tasks that we have is to, is to stay motivated in what I'm teaching and how I am leading by example, kind of in these, um, in these specific areas. And that motivates me within the kind of tasks that are in the, uh, the uh yes. formal term <laughs> business jargon the uh That's right uh, you know it's the meetings are just the back to back to back to back I, I really can't remember the last time before a meeting I looked at it and went okay what is this meeting about what is my role in this meeting what's my purpose in it what's this meeting's purpose toward the larger thing we're marching toward um and then also something we've brought up our strengths like what strength can I bring to this meeting like that might motivate me a little more, even just to to show up to it. But we're moving so fast, taking those moments to pause and really think, what is the purpose of this? How can I best contribute? It's a it's a helpful reminder to all of us because sometimes it's just into the next, into the next. What is this meeting? Who is it? Huh? Like I'm just here because someone threw it on my calendar. So sometimes we need a break. <laughs> Everybody needs a break. Um, Gita, I'm curious to know, like throughout your career, have there ever been times where you've, you've taken a break or you've had an intentional, uh, you know, moment, week, whoever knows how long month of rest that restored you. And did you come back differently after that? Yeah. Um, 
I think it, I've had various moments in my over my career span. Um, and it's funny because um, they, they resulted in outcomes I never would have predicted. So for in, instance, uh, when I had my, I've got four boys, when I, had, when I got pregnant, um, I, with my first one, I was very naive, right? I didn't know much in the working world I was working. And um, I thought to myself, you know, I just want to be a mum. And I think that's important, like to understand what you want to do. Right. And so for me, it was like pretty black and white. I was a pretty black and white thinker. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a mom and uh, I want to be all in. And, and so I was and uh, I graduated, was in a role and I thought I'd leave that role. And um, I would uh, dedicate full time um, to, to being a mom for my first child. And I read all the books and I was very excited. Right. And then when the time came, I was in the UK uh, from the UK and um I got maternity leave. It's about three months, I think, then. And I said, I handed in my notice that I won't be back. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel any way about it. It felt like really right to me. Um, and then during the course of that time, I felt like, oh, you know what? Let me find something. Me and my husband talked about it. I said, let me find something that will allow me, uh, this will sound really weird, allow me to be with my son and also allow me to do a little work and get a little pocket money, right? So I actually went and applied for a cleaning job in a factory uh, and then and another one in a factory. And uh, I didn't, because I felt like I knew who I was and it didn't matter that the, whatever the job was, it didn't define me. I knew who I was back to um, what Andrea said. In the same time uh, I was doing that, my old workplace called me back and they called me and said, hey Gita, would you mind um, uh, doing some extra work? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, when? Because I don't want to be away from my baby. And they were like, uh, do, do it in a, um, uh, you can do it whenever you want. I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, uh, just imagine my son is 26 years old now. This is 26 years ago, right? And so I was like, what? Uh, come in whenever I want, like, uh, and hand in the work? And I said, yes. And so AOL internet uh, or modems at, at that time, I got a, a remote work, at work um, opportunity 26 years ago working from my home, which I never could have predicted had I been so insistent on seeing things or planning for what I thought I had to do. So I think, um, understand that when you need a rest or when you need to make a decision for you, make a decision for you, right? And, and sometimes me and my husband will have conversations and say, okay, who's on first in their career? Is it you or me this year? And we'll have that conversation. And if it's him, I'll like say, how do I make it so that I'm less uh, intense and you're more intense? So I think, you know, just acknowledging that you can't be superwoman. We all can't be superheroes here that, you know, listen to yourself, allow yourself room uh, and, and um, welcome the unexpected because you don't plan for everything uh, yourself. So that was an early on, like 26 years ago, I learned that lesson and I felt, felt like, you know, it's okay. If I make a career decision because I want to, yes, I would love to work for this company, but I want to travel 20, uh, 20 minutes. That's the decision I needed to make so that I could like uh, juggle between that and, and get taken care of my kids. It was a decision I made and was very comfortable with. And so, you know, I think evaluate who you are again and uh, don't compromise because you never know what the unexpected uh, chances are that there are. And I've just seen it time and time again with my career. So. I find that so interesting. I think when I started out in my career, I expected the career just really needed to be very linear and that I couldn't stop working because how else are you going to get to a position in leadership if you stop? And 
Over the course of this show, there have been a lot of zags that have happened in C-suite women in their careers for by listening to their hearts, wanting to try something different, and yet they've still gotten to where they're supposed to be. And I think that's a pretty freeing thought for women who want to be in the C-suite who aren't there yet, that it, you don't have to just work, 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 work nonstop in the same, you know, within the same industry, within with the same skill set. There there are times where a zag might actually be the thing that gives you that something special to help you get to where you want to go. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Very unexpected. Very unexpected. <laughs> so Andrew, one of the things when you and I were talking that I was fascinated about from you was, I was like, you know, what about times of rest and how that motivated you? And you were like, actually, it's times of change that I find really energizing. And most people find that to be very stressful, um, but you, you've had a couple of points in your career where there was a change that was the thing that you needed to feel really motivated. Can you share more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that uh, that past story is just um, is just so great. That's a time of change as well, and you know, not kind of knowing where um, where things were going to end up. And we're all dealing with it so much now in this new environment, right? Um, kind of post COVID and in our work careers. So, you know, if anything. You know, I have always found kind of energy in in change, and you know, not running from it, but really embracing it, and and finding such energy in the in the challenge. And you know, just from a business perspective, one of the kind of biggest um, you know courses of change when I was at Gatorade, and again, this was many years ago, and um, you know, we all know such a great iconic you know sports brand today, but at the time you know, there was a lot of organic growth within, within the brand over kind of like, you know, the eighties all the way into 2003. And then, you know, there, they hit a point where the kind of macroeconomic headwinds really started to, to hit the brand, you know, overall. And I had joined about that time and, you know, there was a lot of pressure, right? Like things, when things are going great, you know, everyone is happy and there's energy in the room because things are going great. When they start to go in a different direction, you know, there, there's a whole, there's a lot of kind of road bumps along the way, including layoffs and, you know, just a, a lot that, that of heaviness that happens in, in an organization. But, you know, we found kind of the energy and, you know, understanding the true why of the brand and the purpose of it existing and really started to challenge kind of this conventional wisdom that, you know, why is Gatorade only a beverage? You know, we thought outside the norm and really thought about how to kind of re-engineer and think outside of what it could be. And that kind of evolution of being just known as a sports beverage to then being a, a sport nutrition company. And, you know, that kind of evolution and problem solving, which we talked about kind of in the beginning and disruptive thinking was really like probably the most energizing time of my career. It was hard. And, um, you know, I always say that uh, if, uh, if it wasn't hard, everyone would be doing it. So, you know, you've got to really push, um, you know, push the envelope and, and think about it. But the energy that came from just every little success that was happening along the way, um, you know, to, to, to think and we had no kind of boundaries of of kind of innovative and thinking that we were able to do to kind of reestablish um, you know reestablish the brand we got true to our target again 
and you know we became that leader um you know and being emotionally connected to to athletes and being synonymous with sport where you see it today but you know riding that wave of of really driving that change and seeing you know year after year just the successes start to continue from a business perspective there was just nothing that was a greater feeling than that but what I will say is a lot of times there, you know, everything with that is there are peaks and valleys, right? And, you know, those, those valleys are, um, are the hard part, but you have to embrace that and find, again, the motivation to, to get to the peak and to keep driving towards the peak. And I know, you know, again, talking about just things that personally we, you know, you know what, you, what makes you thrive and what makes you, um, you know, really energetic around your work. That's it for me is, you know, thinking about new ways and driving change within, um, within an organization. And I think it goes back to that purpose, you know, and once you know that and once you understand your passion, then, you know, just like the sky is the limit of understanding, um, you know, understanding where you want to go and the gifts that you have to then bring to an organization and be at your best. You have both talked about being energized from the hard part and the challenges and when you really have to get there and problem solve. And I'm so interested, like, there's there's like a pivot that needs to happen to find energy from that versus just to be overwhelmed by that. And I'm I'm wondering how you guys got here. <laughs> how did you do you ever remember like when that felt overwhelming and not energizing or if there was a pivot or just a reframe that you gave yourself to make it be exhilarating and not crushing? <clears throat> yeah. I think definitely uh Skylar like it's you have like it's I think it's you know Andrea's said it numerous times like the the joy or the wise and her passion and where you know she's seen change and I think um leaving room for ambiguity is really important um and also um for me I, I do think that um being receptive really receptive to whatever is it whether you, you can't tell in the moment um, you know, there's a, a recent, um, she was a tremendous inspiration. Um, uh, she was on America's Got Talent. Her name was Nightbird uh, and she was from Zanesville, Ohio. And, so she, and she said, you can't wait for life to be difficult before you decide to be happy. And she was, um, you know, I think early thirties with terminal cancer. And she was, she sang this song and it's, and it's, and, and the title, and the chorus was, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And when I look at people like that, who uh, are going through, like it gives me perspective, right? If I look at what they're going through versus what I'm going through, I'm so grateful. Like the spirit of, um, you know, the inspiration I got from how she looked at her life. And she said, you know, it's going to get difficult, expect it. But in that moment, don't wait for it to be over to enjoy your life. And she's going through, uh, and unfortunately, she did pass away just earlier this year. Uh, but her legacy was very, you know, it made, it made me really take a step back and say, Peter, you've got to be grateful. I mean, you've got things that are, you know, pebbles in your shoe and like, you know, it's a painful moment. But, you know, where you are in life, step back and, and just appreciate, you know, that there may be others who are in more pain than you. 
There may be others who are going through. And so I think finding yourself in the moments where you can, like and Andrew was talking about influencing and sharing, it's okay to be real and it's okay to be human with people. Like it's not, it's not cool to have a facade. Like when things aren't brilliant, um, you know, I think you acknowledge it and say, you know what, I'm having a tough time at the moment, um, but I'm choosing to be happy or I'm choosing to still uh, find joy. And, I, and that's a, an intentional um, psychological change that you do. And it's almost like wherever I find myself with like uh, the cup getting full with tension, you've got to release it. And releasing it means I walk away. Releasing it means, you know what, I'm not going to think about it more. I go to bed. And don't give it the mental space that, uh, sorry, don't give it the mental um, blockage that you're facing and say, you've got to release whatever tension that is, whether it's with a project, whether it's with uh, a situation, uh, work, a situation at home, uh, find a way to switch gears and either go for a walk, I'll eat some ice cream, butter pecan, um, it's quite nice, um, but find a way, read, right, uh, um, digital detox, uh, find a way to like uh, stop those moments. And for me, it's really healthy that the weekends are preserved where I can. Uh, I remember working for someone, um, uh, a president of a, um, a former company that I was with, and they they made it so that it mandated from Friday um, evening at six o'clock till Monday morning at six o'clock. There was a digital default, detox, no emails, no texts. And you're like, really? Yes. Like, and so her her example cascaded and shadowed down to the rest of us. So I that still stays with me today. Like I see more ever, more than ever now that I I need to give space for not just myself, but when I do that, I give it to others too. So I don't email during the weekend unless like I've got a stability issue and we've got you know our lines are down and I've got to get the um, the call centers up. But if I'm just like trying to like send a note. Um, I've got to be cognizant. I'm giving others work to do in that in that space, and maybe I shouldn't. So those are little examples of where I, you know, I've found value in being truthful to myself, and also giving space and room to like uh, release the tension and and walk away or do something different or be mindful about the the shadow that I cast as well. Butter pecan. <laughs> I know, and I just want you to say it again. It sounds so beautiful. <laughs> So I am so engrossed in our conversation. I haven't been able to pull myself away to our audience Q&A, but they are flowing in and we have about seven minutes left. And there's a great question here from Stephanie Payrola. We haven't gotten into this yet. You were just starting to get here, Gita, about how do you coach and help your direct reports who see you getting burned out? Or sorry, excuse me, who you see getting burned out. So you're looking at your team and you're seeing signs of things. How can you, how can you help them? Andrea, are there, are there things that you do specifically? Well, I think, um, you know, I have kind of the principles, right, that are that are important, you know, just overall, not necessarily getting kind of into the tactics. But, you know, I really, with my team, want to create this sense of community, right? And giving that support to one another is, is to me, and being connected, you know, especially in this environment, right? Like, it's never been more important for us to feel connected, supported, by one another and our teammates and having moments where we're uplifting one another. And, you know, I think that acknowledgement of each other's contributions is something and that sense of community is and understanding that you can lean on someone and show your vulnerabilities that I, I, I don't feel 
early in my career were something that was ever a possibility, right? Like you had to always be on. If you weren't answering your email every minute of every day, it was suddenly like you weren't good enough or connected enough. And, you know, I think just just really focusing on on that sense of community, building relationships with one another and, and showing how, you know, you support your team and allowing those team members to support one another. And then, you know, I I really thrive on kind of this having an open door to to understanding diverse opinions and really expanding of the network around us, right? And I think the more that that encouragement falls into place, right? It, it just it is that that sense of connection that is so important. And when you're seeing individuals getting overwhelmed, you know, stepping in, allowing another team member to come in to help them, encouraging them to kind of take the time, you know, these kind of wellness moments, right? I've learned from so much experience. Gita talked about it as well. Like when I get overwhelmed, you know, it's go for a run, do something that just takes my mind off of, of that kind of high stress situation. And I think just leading by example, ensuring that, you know, you're, you're kind of giving those guiding principles to your team is the best thing to do when, you know, when being overwhelmed. And, you know, I think Gita's example too of, you know, just, and she still remember, you know, talking about it today of an email policy that was put in place to give people the ability to step away, right? And it was something that was in, enforced, but it, you know, ingrained. And I can get, I can probably guarantee that she has taken some of those practices and carried them on um, to her own team as, as well. So it just is, um, you know, building understanding, you know, what is is really helping individuals on your team understanding their personal motivators too is something that's always been very important to me because what motivates one may not motivate the next and really leaning in on those, those specific, um, those specific things to keep, to keep people um, engaged and feeling really good and valued about the work that they're doing. So many good nuggets in there as well. There's a great question here from Deep T. Ron Hava. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. How do you balance a fear of missing out and having a seat at the table where these big decisions are being made um, with like executing and aligning to your strengths? Like you want to be there. These things are all happening, but I need to focus on this. Like, how do you get there? That's tricky. You know, it's it's interesting because I think in your younger years. The fear of missing out is pervasive. Like, hey, they're having a conversation and you're not in it and you sh- and maybe you think you should be in it. And I will just say that talking to yourself about these things and saying stories to yourself about these things is also not healthy for you. And um, that fear of missing out is something that's really like, the sooner you let go of that as a, as a, as a thought, the, the more liberating it is for yourself to like say, you know what, I'm needed when I'm needed. Um, or when I can, you know, as I'm seeing, I'm being able to contribute. And, and there's a place, like, again, in my maturity, it was the fear of missing out. You know, there was like, in, you know, Andrea said it really correctly. There was a dog eat dog world that we kind of grew up in the ranks of corporate leadership. in, And in order for someone to increase, someone had to decrease. Um, or if you as a woman, um, you had to 
kind of like pretend that you didn't have all of these other responsibilities. Like you weren't juggling a ton of stuff. Like I remember I wouldn't even post picture. I wouldn't even have any picture frames of my kids, right? Because I didn't want people to think I got four kids. How could I do my job? And, and I think being very aware that that cycle, you don't have to like continue it. You, as a woman, I now can make sure other women don't have to go through that, right? And so I think feeling like you don't have a seat at the table because you've got other responsibilities or other things that, um, or just maybe you're having a conversation with yourself. And it's important that voice, that conversation you're having with yourself, you have with someone else. Uh, if it really is pervasive, and uh, I know it sounds simplistic, but in my mind, I don't tolerate any, any thought of insecurity in my head that would say, you know, I need to be there. That's an insecurity that maybe I'm feeding to myself. And so I say, no, I don't need to. If, I've got, if I need to be there, I will be there. And that just gives me some other things to think about that bring me more happiness, right? And so letting go is a good ability. Um, uh, but I do think there are places of influence that we can give to others and be cognizant of it. This is where you say, uh, uh, there's something that someone can say and they can say it better than me. I don't need to be the one who says it. Let them have a seat at the table. And I think being cognizant of that and or bringing a context where you bring things, people together is important. I just think for yourself, don't harness these things around the fear of missing out. It or okay. It, eventually it hurts you because it feeds some of your insecurities that you may um, let flourish that, that you shouldn't have room for. But we have to be cognizant as women uh, to create context where we can help others have a seat at the table too. Beautiful. We are at time. I want this to go on for five more hours. Maybe we can find time to do it later. Thank you so much. I jot down things that stick with me. And today they all started with a P. People, purpose, passion, pragmatism, perspective. You have left me with so much perspective and I'm so grateful for this time. I'm so grateful for the audience that joined in. I'm sorry we didn't get to more questions. Thank you for being so engaged. Thank you again to my guests. You were so generous with your stories and really inspirational. That is a wrap on episode 11 of View from the C-Suite. Please join me next month when the conversation continues. To find out more about Wong Duty's work transforming businesses through human experience, go to wongduty.com. If you're a woman in the C-suite and would like to be a guest on this show, please reach out to me at womenleaders at wongduty.com.